Welcome into the New Yorker podcast presented by Visa. I'm your host, Olivia Landis. In honor of Women's History Month, which is the entire month of March, of course, I'm going to be able to invite some amazing female guests on my podcast. But this month, it hits a little closer to home, especially somebody who is very important to the New York Jets organization. She was the first female executive in the NFL, former owner and vice president of the New York Jets. I would love and it is my honor to welcome in Helen Dillon. Helen, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's so great to see you. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Uh, Helen, let's dive deep into your story. First and foremost, one of the most important things that I said when I introed you, you were the first female executive in the NFL. And when you think, think about it, yes, ma'am. And when you think about it, uh, we, I did a lot of research, thankful, thankfully to Jared Winley, who, who uh, is part of our PR staff. He, uh, he sent me a lot of cool, cool older articles and everything. Let's talk about your story. So your father actually first took over 25% of ownership with the New York Jets. Um, and then before he passed away, he, he passed it on to you. So he, well, he passed it on to me after he died. Okay. And Helen, when you think about that situation, and that was in 1968, correct? Yes. So right before the Super Bowl season, which is pretty crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> pretty good time to take over. Timing was perfect. Timing was perfect. Love hearing that. So when you think back to 1968, and when your father passed, and you did have that opportunity to, you know, either sell or take over, why did you choose to take over that, that part, that 25% ownership and remain within the New York Jets organization? I thought it would be fun. I, I knew nothing about football. Um, and I just thought I, it would be fun. It would be fun for my children. And it was. What was one of the funnest parts that you remember? One of the parts you enjoyed most? Winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> of course. And we're going to go over that in a minute. But let's dive a little bit deeper into you taking over that 25% in that ownership and you playing a large role in the Jets organization. Um, when you first kind of came out and, and decided publicly that, hey, I'm going to remain in this organization. I'm, I want to be part of this football team. What were some of the reactions that you received when you came out with, with that information? Well, I was surprised because all of a sudden the press were calling me mm -hmm. um, and that surprised me. Uh, you know, they wanted interviews, et cetera. And up until then, I'd just been a housewife raising children. So all of a sudden, I was kind of a celebrity. Mm -hmm. And what, into your, what went into your father's decision to buy part ownership of the New York Jets? Well, I think he, like most owners, was a frustrated, you know, football player. He tried to play in high school, or he did play in high school. And, you know, then he just thought that would be fun. So he got together with the other owner, other men, and um, they bought the New York Jets for, I think, a million dollars. And what about some of those other men who had part ownership or part stakes in, in the New York Jets? What did they think when you came out and said, no, I, I don't want to sell this. I'm going to come in and be part of this organization. I'm not sure they were happy, but they were always very nice to me. Really? I, mean, they I, was, I was young. You know, yeah. and had young children. I think they thought, oh, God, I can get this silly lady on the board. What was one of the uh, biggest adjustments that you had to learn 
coming into this job because like you already said you didn't know much about the about football and the nfl in general so how did you bridge that gap i don't know it just happened um i started you know obviously was going to every game and um i would go out to practice on wednesday afternoon and sit on the gatorade truck um and it just happened can you recall what some of those practices were like for an individual who went from not knowing a lot about football to now being part owner of a national football team? What was it like being at those practices? It was fun. I enjoyed the rapport with the men. The, the, the players were great. Um, and I enjoyed that. And it was just, and I, if all of the people were great, I'd sit on the Gatorade truck with Bob Reese and, you know, we'd talk and watch and it was just fun. Mm-hmm. And what, what did some of the players think? Did the players speak to you? Was that an easy part for you? Well, I, I think the first time I traveled with them, John Free took me back and introduced me to all the players. I think they had no idea. Number one, I got on with three kids, one being like five years old, my youngest. And I think they had no idea who, in fact, one of the articles in the newspaper said they were discussing, who is she? Who do you think she is? Mm-hmm. So, but once, John took me back and introduced me, and once they figured it out, they couldn't have been nicer. Well, it's good to know that you were at least treated nicely, but I'd like to Very keep that. nicely. Good. That, that, that's good to know. It's comforting to know that, you know, you being a female in, in that role, especially during that time back then, that you were treated kindly. Um, you mentioned how you, you started out in this job and you didn't know a lot about football. You said it kind of just happened but how long did it take over time or how did that change your knowledge of the game and the knowledge of your job? Well, you know, you could only see so many football games before it starts to sink in. And then too, I would be on the plane going to the game and the coaches would all be sitting up in first class with me and I'd hear them talking and it just osmosis, I guess. Did other owners become more accepting uh, of you in that role over time? I think they were, they were all gentlemen and wonderful men. And I think they accepted the fact that there's a woman and we have to put up with it and that's it. So they couldn't have been nicer and more accepting, more polite. I love their wives. It was a great relationship. Mm -hmm. How much were you able to use your voice in big decisions with the team? Well, it's funny, one time that they called me late in the day and said, you've got to get down to New York for a meeting right away. And I said, but I can't, I have no one to leave. Anyway, I got in the car, left my youngest child with her, my oldest son, and I went in. And the meeting was to decide whether we gave Joe Namath, raised his salary to 400000 a year. Yeah. What were those discussions like? How was it that you guys came together and decided on that final number? It was very easy. Uh, I, I know my only question was, um, how about when we're on the road? Do, do we get fill the stadium there? And they said the other owners said that when we came and played in games, they filled the stadium. Mm-hmm. So I said, then it's worth paying them for four hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> were you the only one who felt that way, or did everyone else feel pretty strongly about that? I they I never argued with them. They all we all agreed, and we agreed very quickly. Uh huh. Uh, well, it's pretty incredible to hear stuff like that because, you know, so you were so, so close to the organization and you played such a critical role during that time. And when people hear Joe Namath and some of the amazing things he did for the New York Jets, including bringing home a Super Bowl, 
you know, people find that very, very interesting. So what are some of your, if you have any, favorite Joe Namath stories? Were you able to ever interact with Joe in a, you know, or able to see some of the things he did on the field? Oh, I certainly saw what he did on the field. And there was, I know one night we were, I was, ha I, we were all having dinner and this boy kept coming in and asking Joe for his autograph. And Joe was so nice. He kept giving it to him. I said, Joe, this kid's been in about six times. He's selling that out in the back of the hotel. So I said, don't give it to him again. <laughs> so you were looking out for him. You were, you were being observant. But I, the, the, yes. And the point is that Joe was so nice. He, yes, of course mm -hmm. I'll give you my autograph. Mm -hmm. So the, so the tales are true. Joe Namath was a very much a people person, a fa the fans, the fans player, right? He was, and he was a gentleman. He was a uh, really nice guy. When you think about uh, some of those seasons that you were able to be a part of, especially that 1968 season, what specifically, besides the Super Bowl, because we'll get to that in a minute, but what specifically stands out to you about being able to go to those games, especially with your children? Just the, the enjoyment of it. And it was something we were doing as a family. And as I say, I love the rapport I had with the team. Um, and it was just exciting. It was, you know, better than staying home and doing the laundry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, right here at the beginning, when I mentioned it, you were the first female executive in the NFL. At the time and at that moment, did that mean much to you? Or did you realize that you were making history? No, I just, I knew I was enjoying what I was doing and I loved the team and I loved what we were doing and that was it. Well, what do you, what would you say to uh, young women now who might listen to this podcast or hear this and hear that you were the first female executive? What would you say to them if they heard this? I, I think enjoy what you're doing. You can do anything you want if you try hard enough and enjoy it. I, I think you don't want to get lost in the hustle and the bustle and not enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's amazing. Uh, Helen, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into memory lane. Let's walk down memory lane right now because I can tell when we talked about that 1968 season, you got a little excited there. Um, what stands out to you about that season? Why was that team so good? It was Joe. And I think, you know, Joe told him, hey, you know, he kept, you know, he said, we're going to do this. I can do it. And everybody was like, yeah. And the thing was that everybody said the Colts were one of the best teams in the history of football. Mm -hmm. And who did these silly Jets think coming down there and playing? I mean, it just was ridiculous with this loudmouth name. Of, well, we proved them all wrong. And that <laughs> was exciting. And you were there, correct? You were there for the I Super Bowl. I was there. I must say I had to take the train because I was afraid of flying. So my youngest daughter and I flew down and my husband came down with the older children, but I was there. Mm -hmm. And, and um, when you think back to that Super Bowl game, what was that atmosphere like? It, well, again, I, the children and I got on the bus and went with the players' wives. We, the, we went as a family. Um, it was just so nerve-wracking. And if I, if I had been more experienced in football, it would have been 10 times as nerve-wracking. Mm -hmm. But it was just, I can't tell you what it was like. And then after it was over, I kept saying, I, did we win? Are you sure we won? Mm -hmm. I mean, because of all the publicity against these 
silly Jets coming down to play the wonderful Baltimore Colts. Mm-hmm. Were you able to hold the Lombardi trophy? Were you able to touch it, take a picture with it? No, I didn't. We did that later. I think at City Hall in New York. No, I didn't. I didn't. As you got um, older and as you continued to work with the New York Jets and as you started to understand the game more and have more experience, how did your role with the organization grow or change? Uh, it didn't grow really because I, my duties were there, the board meetings, etc. Um, the way it changed is I got more involved with the players and their wives. They, one of the wives, uh, Randy Beverly's wife, Ruth, I think, wanted to start a players' wives organization. So she asked if I would be the owner thing. So I was, and we started that, and it was a lot of fun. So I got to know them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was just more involved in the, the players and their lives and their wives and children. It's funny because you've mentioned that a few times now, how you interacted a lot with the wives, with the family members of the players. Why was that important to you? I don't know. I just enjoyed it. I, I get, Maybe I was an only child, so I wasn't used to having... Um, <laughs> so I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed being with them all. I'm a people person, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, when you think... So, so you said one of your favorite memories was the Super Bowl, right? during your time Absolutely. with the New York Jets. <laughs> Are there any other memories that stand out to you? Um, because like I said, the role that you played and being a, a, the first female executive in the NFL, it's really a big deal. So were, were there any other times during your career that had a positive impact on you that, you, that still stick with you today? I, don't th- I know that every Thanksgiving we had um, Thanksgiving dinner at Shea Stadium or what, you know, and, and um, that was always fun because then all the children were there and we gave out um, Hess trucks as presents to the kids. So that was, that certainly sticks out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can't think of any one in particular. I will when I hang up, but you know, I don't care <laughs> right off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, how do you feel being part of the New York Jets history? Not only a small part, but a big part. How, how does that make you feel to this day? Um, happy, happy that I was a part of it, that mm-hmm. I could get to be a part of it because it was a very exciting time in, in our lives, all of our lives. Incredible to talk to, for me, I'll speak for me personally. Uh, it really is an honor for me to be able to speak to you because it, it's cool for me to sit here and be like, wow, this, this woman accomplished so much and paved the way without even knowing it probably at the time. That's right. Yeah, you paved the way for a lot of women. So what are your thoughts on how the game has changed to today to until now and how more women are playing a more prominent role in the league? Well, I love that they now have um, officials that are women. I think that's great. Yes. I know that every if, if a player was injured on the field and he had to be taken off on a stretcher, I always went down to the locker room to be sure he was all right. Oh, that's incredible. Well, because I had a different relationship with them. I, you know, I had a motherly relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And do you think the players appreciated that motherly relationship? I think they did. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, um, you know, these are mostly young kids are just out of college and, you know, it's all new, new world to them. 
Yeah, of course. And did you take pride in that? Did you take pride in being able to have that relationship with them? I don't know if I took pride, but I certainly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I know Bill Latimer, who worked for the team, would always, somebody was hurt, he would come and grab me and we'd head down. Um, so I, I had a good relationship with everyone. It was really, really a pleasure. Well, Helen, can we talk a little bit about um, what went into no longer being part of the organization? What went into um, maybe selling that part of ownership and, and why, why did that decision come into play? Well, a lot of it was financial. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus our lives were changing. The kids were getting married and um, football had changed a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, two of my uh, partners had died. It was just Leon and I left. And I just thought, you know, enough's enough. Yeah. I say a lot of it was financial. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, running an NFL team, I'm sure is no easy task. <laughs> So when you think back to all of your years um, of experience with the New York Jets and being part of that ownership group, what is one or two things that stick out to you that you learned from that experience that you still hold dearly today? You know, I really don't know. Um, I, I think the relationships are the most important. That really sticks in my mind. And I remember before the games, they would have a prayer service. And I, I used to go to that. And I remember one time they had a man talking and he said that he had gone by his um, son's room the night before and he heard him saying his prayers. And the kid was saying, thank you for mommy. Thank you for daddy. And thank you for me. And he said, do you men ever think of, of that, of thanking God for you and what a complicated piece of machinery you are, et cetera. And that has always stood in my mind. Mm-hmm. Not very exciting, but no, most it, of it. Yeah, it's special. You know, it, it made you obviously feel a, a special type of way. Well, I can't thank you enough, Helen Dillon, for joining me on the New Yorker podcast presented by Visa. It was an absolute honor to meet the first female executive in the NFL and a former owner and vice president of the New York Jets. Thank you so much for your time, Helen. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. I enjoyed it.